know, the people have to be a believer. It's kind of like believing that your car is going to start when you, you know, when you take a key and put it in the ignition. It's more of a uh, an understanding and a recognition that this particular art, I call it an endowsing an art, that it, that it actually uh, works for them. Hi there, welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 61, with me, Graham Gardner. My guest today is Susan McNeil-Spooler, who is the director of the West Coast Dowsing Conference in Santa Cruz, and also the Flagstaff Dowsing Conference, which is taking place this October in Flagstaff, Arizona. Now, I've known Susan for some years now, although I only see her when I'm in the States uh, attending some convention, so it was great just to have this uh, opportunity to catch up uh, over a Skype session and find out what she's been up to. I first asked Susan to tell us how she got started in dowsing. I first learned to douse at Stonehenge. I was on vacation, and there were people with L-rods that were on a bus tour, and I asked, I was with a friend of mine, and I asked to see, I asked, what are you doing? And they said, we don't know. The bus driver gave us these things. So I asked to try, and I walked, I did what they did. I walked between the circle of stones and then the heel stone, which is on the opposite side of the path at Stonehenge. And um, and on my rod, my rod started to spin like helicopter blades, too. It was, it was kind of unusual. And, and then I talked to the bus driver, and he said, and, and I asked him, what are you doing? And he didn't know either. So uh, at the time I was, I'm an engineer, I'm a laser engineer, and at the time I was working at MIT Lincoln Laboratories and came home from vacation and talked to my colleagues and they said, go talk to Harold Anderson, he'll, he'll know what you're talking about. And Harold from there taught me how to measure people's physical, emotional, mental and spiritual energies around their body using the L-rods. And um, it was funny, he lent me a pair that he made out of like a, a coat hanger or something and, and acted like they were the most precious things in the world. And I treated them like they were the most tr- precious things in the world. And um, uh, he lent, let me borrow them for a time. And, uh, and they were, I could certainly measure things. And I actually taught myself how to find lost items. Um, I had moved from one apartment to another. I had a pair of mink earmuffs, and I was, and I made sure I hid them appropriately so nobody could find them. <laughs> and so I went to my new apartment, and I said, "Oh, where are my mink earmuffs?" Even though it was July, it was summertime and it was hot. Uh, I went from, I took my L rods out, and I went from room to room, and I said, "You know, show me yes, show me no." And and then I would, wa- I was at that point, I wasn't as, uh, t- uh, you know, my time management skills with dowsing weren't 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 there yet. So I walked from room to room. Asking yes or no, the the earmuffs in this room, and then when I walked, and I would get no, and then I, when I walked from the kitchen to the dining room, my rods immediately swung to the left, pointed to my my hope chest. Now a hope chest is something I'm, I'm not sure. Do you have those in the UK? We don't. No. No. Okay. A hope chest is is uh it's a it's a wooden chest that that women are given or have when they get married. And my grandmother gave me my hope chest back when I was in my 20s. And the thing about the hope chest is that it's lined with cedar wood. And the cedar is, you know, the cedar wood keeps away. Uh, you'd put your blankets, your wool blankets in there so the moths don't get to them. Okay. And so what, what I did was I put the, the earmuffs in the, in, the, in the cedar hope chest to um, make sure that they didn't get eaten by creatures. And so from there I said, oh, my gosh, this works. So then 
I used it to, you know, find just about anything. You know, missing car keys or and any missing item. And I also now find missing people, missing pets, missing items. If okay, the opportunity I, arises. I have a couple of questions here. Uh, I have trouble finding missing items if it's something belonging to me, usually. Do you find that? Um, sometimes. However, depending on what it is, if you have a pair, if you have a pair of earrings and you've lost one earring, then you also have one left over, which is called a witness. And so I'll hold that in my hand, and then I'll while I'm using my dowsing rods, and I'll say, "Show me where the other earring is." But 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 before I do that, I'll always ask, um, "Is the is the earring you know in the house outside of the house?" Did somebody take it? You know, I'll ask, I'll ask a lot of questions prior to sure. dowsing. Yeah. But yeah, but I know what you mean is that, uh, you know, you're trying to find something that's yours and you're annoyed that you can't find it. And then when you go to try to find it, sometimes you're successful and then sometimes, you, you know, sometimes you have to say forget it and just buy another one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Depending on what it is. Yeah, it's um, it's difficult to maintain your objectivity when you're yes. looking for something like that. Yeah. Well, especially see, especially because if you're you know if you're wrapped up in it, you know if you if you're, you know you, if you care too much about it and then you're upset about it, that's um that's where it gets annoying. What I've done recently is I I bought um, Apple has these things called Air Tags, and they're about I don't know they're about uh, a couple of centimeters in diameter and they um and then you would put them on a, they, they come with special keychains and then i've been putting them on on our car keys and that way if they get lost you have an app on your eye and your apple phone and then you could it'll show you where it is and then if it's like say it's under the covers uh then you you push the button that says make a sound then it makes a beep 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 sound so then you can just find it right there so right. you don't accidentally throw your you know your uh keys or whatever into the laundry <laughs> when you when you're making the bed and taking all the sheets off, so. So uh, my other question I was going to ask there, uh, you mentioned um, talking to your colleagues, your other engineer friends about this. I mean, did they accept dowsing as a as a thing? Not all of them. Um, however, when you know you know in different jobs that I've had over the years, and I and I will, and if I've divulged that I'm a dowser, it will be because they've lost their. American Express card or their passport, and then I'll tell them to look, you know, in a certain place here, look in the pocket of, of this particular, you know, piece of luggage you have, and then they find it, and they say, how did you know it was there? And then I tell them I doused it. And that's how I kind of, you know, prove my, my credibility ahead of time. Whereas with the engineering, uh, I wasn't given a promotion because I was a dowser. They said, well, you don't, you're not a serious enough scientist. You don't deserve to be promoted. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's rough. So I wasn't I wasn't there, you know, I, I only was there for a few years anyways, but that was uh that was pretty funny. Well it was not it was it was annoying at the time, but that's okay. Their loss. <laughs> so so but but yeah, but this is where, you know, people can see you know, people can see that it really works and they know that it works, especially if I find something of theirs that's a, that's important. Sure. Uh, that's, well, and then the same thing with some customers. You go and you douse a well site. Well, douse a well site for them, 
And then I've had, this has only happened a couple times in the 30 plus years I've been doing this, is they'll say, oh, well, we didn't get as much water as we expected or as much as you said. And then I'll say, well, did you drill exactly where I put the flat marker flag and then, you know, drew a bullseye with, with a marker paint, with surveyor's paint? Well, no, we wanted to move it over a few feet or on the other side of the, of the garden. And uh, I'd say, well, then you have no, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> if you're not yeah. going to drill where I, where, I, where I direct you to drill and where you paid me to drill, I've got nothing to say. It's your own fault. When I douse a well... I always ask for, I always state the intention of yes or no, is, 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 um, is there a well? What I'll ask, the questions that I will ask are, um, I'm looking for a well that has potable water, drinkable water, that tastes good, that smells good, that's there year-round, that's an appropriate depth, appropriate gallons per minute, easy for the well driller to get to, beneficial to all who drink it, and is primary water. And primary water is water that's deep in the earth and not uh, groundwater, which can be, I don't know, six or so meters deep um, that could potentially have you know, fertilizer or gasoline or oil, and you wouldn't want to be drinking that type of water. Um, so, so that's what I do. And then I'll, and I'll get a yes or a no. I mostly, thank goodness I, I, I mostly get a yes that, that, this, that I will be able to find a well with these parameters. Yeah, there's quite a lot in the press just now about um, water dowsers in the States. I've seen quite a few reports. Uh, obviously, in California and with the, yeah. the wildfires just now, it's really important. Yeah, I was talking to Rob Thompson a couple of days before that article came out, and he's so he's so busy. He's out every single day dowsing mm. wells and, uh, in Northern California. He said in some days he just doesn't feel like dowsing, which is, you know, which is something we all feel from time to time. He said he's just exhausted. He's uh, out every day and, you know, has to travel hundreds of miles, different points in time. And, and that's what, uh, and that's what his life is like. And then, um, yeah. And the other couple of dowsers that, uh, were mentioned, um, aren't exactly available to physically go. And that's what people want. People physically want you to go to the sites they don't sure. want they don't if they don't know what map dowsing is if they don't understand that you can do this remotely they aren't necessarily going to buy into that yeah so have you had any uh, water jobs yourself recently oh yes um, I was up in upstate New York and uh, northern Vermont dowsing wells uh, just a few weeks ago and uh, one of them was on 80 acres of land that people bought. Uh, it was actually it was a prior a prior student of mine uh, that w- that lived in New Hampshire, and then moved to this to this new property, and that was it was um it was it was of course quite expansive. They were they were living in a trailer on the prop. They're living in a trailer on the property currently while uh, the the foundation was being dug, and the uh, septic was being dug, and then they had and then and then further in the back side of their property they had uh, llamas and sheep and goats all kinds of critters that they were um and i, and I doused the well a couple of well sites back there for them as well so we'll see what happens they they seem to have uh, a, a a well that i'm sorry a, a driller that will come and then i did their neighbor who was kind of funny he was very very skeptical and um I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember what the heck it was that I did that um, 
you know, proved to him that dowsing worked. It was, you know, you know how you're just going through your whole process of setting up, doing whatever. I gave him a set of L rods, and uh, I asked, actually, asked him, you know, ask a few questions. Where is your car? You know, ask him where your car is. Ask him where, you know, is anybody in your house? Ask if certain people in your house are there. That's what it was. Uh, and both of his sons were in the house, and they were teenagers. And they pointed to the house, and then he, and they asked certain questions that he was he could he answered himself with the L rods, and then both of the teenage sons came out, and I taught them to douse, because uh, I always make I always make several sets of L rods and Y rods and uh, bring some pendulums along, depending on the interest of folks, and so they were, you know they they were able to. You know, find water when I put a bottle of water out to here, point to the bottle of water and then, you know, make, get a reaction from your tools. And the father was really thrilled. And he, he turned from a skeptic to a believer in, in the dowsing. And, and I don't want to say, you know, that people have to be a believer. It's kind of like believing that your car is going to start when you, you know, when you take a key and put it in the ignition. It's more of a, uh, an understanding and a recognition that this particular um art i call it an dowsing an art that it that it actually uh works for them so they had a well and um it was only giving them a couple gallons you know it was giving them very little water less than a gallon a minute maybe a few, maybe a couple of liters at best so they could only do either laundry or take a shower or run the dishwasher so i had advised them to take the pump out of the well and put in dry ice. And I, I just dealt with the well site back uh, and, and been a, a week or so before that where the person, the, the company they hired drilled a 1,500-foot uh, deep well, charged them $25,000. I'm just going to do a, a quick uh, conversion on that, 15 feet, 2 meters. Uh, so that's... Uh, so that's 457 meters and um, $25,000. Do, do you use pounds? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, to British pounds. So that would have cost them, you know, 18,000 pounds for this dry well. Mm. So, so when I was pulled in to help them, I found them another spot, and it was actually right where they had initially told the driller to go. This, these people had a lot of property. He, he cleared away, um, you know, a quarter mile of trees so that the trucks could get in. And, uh, and they, they wouldn't go this extra 30 feet. So I had said, um, let's call the local ice house, and, and, uh, which is a friend of mine. And they bought the 32 pounds of dry ice and then put it inside of the um, – they dumped the dry ice down into the, um, the well and then put, put the cap back on and put a big heavy rock on top of it. And that's where uh, the dry ice would sublimate and cause quite a, quite a disturbance and then blew the top off of it. I can uh, send you a link. To, I did a little video of that. I thought it was, it was um, quite significant to, to watch that. Yeah, and I'm, so, I'm still, I'm, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, Cause these, these guys were, um, the guy who's the property owner was was you know he understood, but then his his friend that was there was was skeptical about everything, until that little explosion well I'll call it an explosion happened, um, and I'm still waiting to hear back from him as to what uh, if it ended up 
you put the dry ice down to loosen up any other uh, veins that are under there. Sometimes people, it's, it's um, called, it's, this uh, process is called hydrofracking, and hydro meaning water. Sometimes the, the well companies will take um, a, you know, a hose and then you know, spray pressurized water down into the well to try to loosen up if there's any veins that are close by where they've drilled. So, um, so that was another latest uh, water water stories that I had. Yeah, so. I've I've never heard of this uh, dry ice technique. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The California, I put it out there on on my web on my Facebook, and I put it out there, and you know, shared a couple of dowsing groups, and then the, the the Californians had never heard of that. Um, I had another customer years ago. Uh, that had tried it, but he just didn't. He didn't buy enough dry ice. Whereas this one, you know, if you just he bought, you know, he cleaned out the <laughs> the uh, the ice house's dry ice supply, so that was that worked out for him. And so hopefully they'll be able to get something out of that. Because what a waste of money to drill yeah. all that ways. Yeah. So did it work after that? Did you? I don't, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear back from the oh, customer. Okay. See, and, I, and I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let you know as soon as I do. His wife um, may be coming out to the Flagstaff Dowser Conference to, to see more, you know, to, to get to know the dowsing community um, clo- more closely. So, so that will be nice. Nice segue. <laughs> Why don't we talk nice about segue. the Flagstaff Conference? Oh, sure. The Flagstaff Dowser Conference. It used to be called the Southwest Dowser Conference, uh, but we just decided to change the name. And um, it's in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, it's about two hours north of Phoenix, Arizona, about 45 minutes north of Sedona, Arizona, and about 90 minutes south of the Grand Canyon. So it's a beautiful area, lots of amazing um, things out there to, to see if you're going to come, coming out for a vacation or for sightseeing. Uh, Carolyn and Ed Stillman had started this conference in about 2000, there at the uh, Little America Hotel in Flagstaff, Arizona. And um, in 2013, they moved from Sedona. They used to be the, the chapter uh, presidents of the Sedona chapter of Dowsers. And they moved, um, they moved to, Cal- to Northern California to help one of their daughters with her, with their grand- help to help with their grandchildren. So they retired from doing it in 2013. So it hadn't happened. And having, you know, being the director for uh, the West Coast Conference in uh, Santa Cruz, people kept asking me, Susan, Susan, when are we going back to Flagstaff? When are we going back to Flagstaff? So I uh, contacted the Stillmans, uh, had discussion with them about it. They told me who to talk to contact at the Little America Hotel. And they were thrilled. They are thrilled that we are coming back. And so um, I basically have <clears throat> rented out all the same lecture halls and everything and doing uh, the same format of um, having four, four speakers or a four-track conference. So you have a choice of four speakers at the same time, uh, a speaking time at 9 in the morning, 10.45, and then a two-hour lunch, and then at 2 in the afternoon – and then a half an hour, another half hour break, and then 3:45, ending at five. So uh, that's the core. The core of the conference is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 8th of October uh, to the 10th. However, prior to prior to the to the core of the conference on Wednesday, the 6th of October, we have, and also on the 12th of October, the Wednesday before and the Tuesday after, we're having an exclusive. Uh, 
trip to Sedona, and the uh, this company that I found, the guy is a uh, is a dowser, and he's going to take the the people who choose to go. Um, there'll, there'll be a limit of, I believe, twenty of twenty on Wednesday, twenty on Tuesday, and uh, he'll take them to the various uh, vortex sites. And they're not the usual, not the usual ones, not Airport Vortex or Bell Rock or whatever. He'll, he can, you know, he'll drive by Bell Rock, of course, so you can see it. However, he's going to take you to private, uh, other private vortexes that are in the Sedona area that are quite powerful. And I went out there in uh, July to to uh, work with him and see what he was, uh, what he would be uh, sharing with with the group. So I'm very, uh, I'm very pleased and impressed with what uh, he'll be able to uh, help. Uh, Help our dowsers with, and then we have on the Thursday, on the seventh, we have the beginners dowsing school, and then we have advanced dowsing schools um, with uh, Dr. Adi Two Owls. We have um, uh, uh, Feather Anderson. They'll be teaching a course. Um, I can kind of go through the details of that. Uh, Marty Kane will be teaching how to make labyrinths and. Tina Bergen will be teaching a course on on palmistry, uh, but it's not your it's not your grandmother's palmistry. It's a whole you know way of it's an interesting. I, I had discussions with her that when you all throughout your entire life you have the same the same basic palm, however, you you're over time that your palm changes because you have changes in your life and you know experiences and effects. Um, so. That was I found that to be quite uh, quite interesting, and, I, and that's what we'll be having her for for one of our advanced dowsing schools. So so Feather Anderson, he will be um, teaching an advanced school specialized dowsing school for tree and house plant wizarding uh, and divic communications uh, and energy transfusions, earth acupunctures, and more. And you'll learn things about how if you're going to be planting a tree or if you're going to a um, a nursery to buy trees or bushes or whatever that you ask the tree or bush would they like to come home with you and uh, also you'll learn about the front door of the tree or bush and know which direction you should plant it so it gets the the most uh, the most energy from from the earth so that's uh, one one part of uh, what he'll be teaching and um the classes that uh, Adi two hours will be teaching one of them is three ways to dream the world into being and that's in the morning on the Thursday. But the one that I I think is well personally is interesting. It's called opening the third eye, and <clears throat> opening the third eye. Um, when you are, I'm, I was brought up Catholic. When you're when you're Catholic, and you're baptized, they um, put oil on your forehead and they and they put you know the sign of the cross. And apparently they use other. Is it sigils? S i g i l s. Yeah, sigils. Sigils. So you, so by putting these sigils are symbols, as the you know the sign of the cross is a symbol, and what that does is it blocks your third eye, and it blocks your ability, um, you know, to to uh, access your your intuition on some levels. And so, so Adi has taught this class over the years. I remember. Um, Laura Lynn, Laura Lynn uh, from Northern California was telling me that, uh, you know, she was asking, oh, is Adi going to teach that class? And I said, oh, I will ask her to if she will. Um, so that's that, so that's, a you know, the courses that will that are being offered are, are very um, 
intensive and very, very interesting um, for those of us that are, you know, have, have great interests in what's going on um, outside of regular day housing. Yeah, of course, you're just telling me all this to make me feel bad that I'm no. not able to come, though. No, I know. I, that's Well, well, the good, well, the good news, um, unfortunately, and we're going to miss you terribly, that you can't come. You know, where uh, Graham will be teaching a work, was was going to be teaching a workshop in, uh, in Flagstaff. However, he will offer his workshop over Zoom on Sunday, October 17th. And I'll be uplo- updating the website so that uh, people can then go to the website uh, flagstaffdowsers.com and click on either his face or uh, we'll have if you click on his um, picture and I'll and the photos are in alphabetical order by their first name so G for Graham um, then you could click on the details and the link that will be there for people to um, to uh, sign in to attend your conference so. Um, we'll be we'll be certainly advertising that. I've done a ton of advertising for this conference. I pulled out full page full page ads in um, in magazines that will be uh, out there, and we did a big a big giant mailing of several thousand postcards, and uh, and then I've taken out Google ads as well. So we're um, we're we're really getting the word out there, and all the dowsers are, are uh, getting the word out as well, and. We're just telling everybody about the conference. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be great, and I'm really quite gutted that I'm not going to be there. But um, I know, yeah, we are not letting us into the country, sadly. No, I know, and that's that's very sad. We, you know, if anything ever changes, you let us know, and we'll be we'll be happy to roll out the red carpet for you because we are we love you, and we love to have you and Elspeth, and to come to uh, out and hang around with us and have a good time. In fact, in fact, years ago we should. <laughs> What 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 year was that that we went skydiving together? <laughs> oh yeah, that was such good fun. Uh, was that twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen? Yeah, maybe. maybe? 20, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was some sometime at that point. Yeah, we did this uh, this indoor skydiving deal in New Hampshire, which is tremendously <laughs> good fun. That was yes, right, and we stuffed you with uh, lobster rolls. So that was, I was happy to do that. <laughs> oh, the lobster rolls at the Concord, yeah. Oh my God! Oh. Yep, the, the Concord yeah. Colonial Inn—they're just overflowing with with uh, with wonderful lobster. You could have you could have my share. I I don't as a as a, a hearty New Englander is not. I don't I don't like lobster, but that's okay. Yeah, you have to do it when we're there. Yeah, that's right. That's you have to you have to absolutely. Do I that, mean, it's so. it's just obligatory. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's a long time since I've been to Flagstaff. Um, I think we were there oh, maybe 2006. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh, we were visiting friends in LA, and we had another friend in Santa Fe. So we uh, took the car and we drove out. Took two days to drive, and we stopped over in Flagstaff. Wow! So we With- uh, drove up to the Grand Canyon to catch the sunset, and oh. then on the way back we drove down through Sedona. Isn't that amazing? Sedona is Sedona is such a just 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 no words for the energy there and the beauty of the um, of the red rocks, which are kind of orange, and it has to do with the rust. It's um that there's a, there's a lot of iron in the in the uh, the the the, um, the dirt, and uh, and that's why it just kind of turns to a rusty color. The last time when my sister and I went out there in 2019 to try to set st- to set up the conference, we took a helicopter ride 
uh, in Sedona, and that was fantastic mm. to be to, to be able to go over uh, go over the all the uh, the structure the structures. Uh, I'll call this the rock formation structures because they're there's just they're just breathtaking. So. Yeah. Now, people uh, listening to the podcast might not be familiar with the concept of vortexes. Could you talk a little about that? Um, sure. Uh, vortexes. There's a, there are there are vortexes or vortices, and then there are portals. Um, a vortex is an energy. It's kind of like, excuse me, your washing machine. It um, the the energy spins either clockwise or counterclockwise. And depending on, um, I've always, you know, some, some consider one direction male, some consider others female. And when, you know, when I am at these various sites in Sedona, or even, you know, there are vortex areas in other parts of the country. And I have a couple here in my, in my garden. I have a large garden here. So I'll ask. What if I stand over this site? You know, what's what, what? Which site would be the most beneficial for me for what I need right now? Um, then there are what are called portals, and portals are doorways into other interdimensional, you know, areas. So, so the so a vortex. Some people will go to a vortex area and and get sick to their they'll get sick to their stomach or they will get nauseous. And other people will will be inspired. They'll have like a kind of almost an out of body experience. They'll feel a lightness. They'll feel a great joy. And so, if you're if you know what you're doing, if you're just aware of okay, some of them will make you feel good. Some of them may not make you feel so great. Um, and just pay attention. It could either it could it can be a benefit to you. Just, just uh, spiritually, and that's just kind of a simplistic definition of of what they can do uh, for you. So you could go into your garden and just even just use your hands or use your dowsing tools and and ask yes or no: Is there a vortex here on my property? Is and then you could ask yes or no: Is it beneficial? And then say, show me where it is. Um, or say say it's in the middle of if it's in the middle of a bunch of flowers or something and you don't want to step on it, you could always just point to that area where it is, or just look at that area, and close and then look at it, focus on it, and then just kind of close your eyes and um, just inhale it and feel the energy of what's there um, in your in your particular yard. Um, and then the, for, and then for people who are um, who are mobility challenged to have a hard time walking. And then you, you know, if this is where the, the person who's going to be doing these tours, this tour company, I, I let them know. I said, a lot of the people in who are attending are retirement age or older, you know, some might be somewhere in their eighties that are coming to this. I'd like you to please be compassionate to their, they may have, um, you know, a bit of an issue with walking. And so this is where, I'll be talking to people ahead of time, just letting them know how to be able to access and make sure I, I let this this uh, tour guide know that uh, to even to access the energies that they don't have to necessarily stand right over the spot. Yeah, um, I think the, um, 
the the vortices idea in the UK is kind of similar to what you've described, but it seems there uh, in America there's more of a concept of these large landscape vortices, uh, like at Sedona, or um, say the mystery spot in Santa Cruz, which we've been yeah. to, where mm-hmm. you get all sorts of weird you know gravity anomalies and things like this. Right. Well, if you look at if you look at the Stonehenge, that that's. So that has um, some amazing energies, be- and that and that's also because there's a, a ley line that goes right through it. L e y, a ley line is another type of energy line that um, that you can help to identify. There's a ley line that goes right under the Eiffel Tower, and my sister and I have been there, and um, and we stood underneath and and we 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 doused it. We doused the edge of the ley line, which is huge. It's almost the entire base of the. Uh, the Eiffel Tower, and yeah. I didn't, and, and I never realized. I, I learned, I didn't learn that until you know, probably right prior to us visiting the Eiffel Tower. That trip uh, was what, almost uh, actually, wow, more than ten years, two thousand seven. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's pretty ama- it's pretty amazing, and because you can feel, you know, you go to certain areas and it just like feel feel good to be there. And there's no real explanation except, oh wow, I'm on vacation, I'm on holiday, I'm happy, I don't have to be at work right now. But but a lot of times it's enhanced by the vortex or the um, ley line or or the portal. Um, sometimes portals will like they'll, they'll a portal being a doorway will sometimes be going into another dimension. It will be going into a help. It'll help you to go inner further in and into yourself um our friend dolores that um is part of our dowsing chapter she has in the winter time it's very interesting to go to her house she's on 150 acres of land and so she and she can look outside her windows in the winter and there'll be it'll still have snowed but then there'll be these circles on the property that'll be of different sizes and then sometimes they'll be there and sometimes that you know then it'll, it'll snow cover it up and then or or over time if it does snow again the it, the portal will close back up and so she'll try to communicate with okay why is you know why is there a portal here is this is this some sort of a message um are beneficial and you know are beneficial beings you know traveling in and out of here um do they have any messages for me so um so yeah, that was we've seen we've seen that on her on her you know looking out her her back her back window of her house, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. So if you're paying att- actually paying attention to things, you'll you'll be able to discover all sorts of energetics that are going on around you. Yeah, um, and your your example mentioning the snow is quite uh, a good one there because stuff does show up in these conditions. Um, I remember um, somebody's garden once where there was a very clear triangle in the snow, um, wow. which pushed wow. down with a little vortex on it. But couldn't figure out why it was a perfect triangle, but yeah, just really weird manifestations like that. A triangle? Wow! I've not. Wow. Okay, that's some. That's a, that's different. I've never heard of a triangle like that. Uh, yeah, and it was uh, perfectly clear of snow. Wow. Yeah. See, and that's um. You know, and, that's, and there's no reason, and there's no logical reason for it either. You know, exactly. like if you drive your you know, if you drive your car over snow and you just sit there and let the engine run, you know, you'll see your four tire imprints, and then underneath the car will be the snow will be you know part of it might be melted away due to the heat from your car 
And so, well, that's a logical explanation as to why that's happened. But, but these other anomalies um, are, are just really, really uh, fascinating. Um, in in a Dolores's house, she has, as I'm sitting here, you know, further thinking about this, she has a a beautiful statue of Kuan Yin uh, that uh, that's that when you're standing looking outside uh, where the, uh, the the portals will show up. There's a statue of Kuan Yin right there that's about um, half a meter high. It's it's gorgeous. So so who knows if Kuan Yin's coming to visit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Richard Feather Anderson. I'm a shamanic geomancer, trained as an architect, and you are listening to Adventures in Dowsing. Well, COVID restrictions are still in place in many areas of the world, so uh, at this time of recording, lots of events are still being affected. For listeners in the US, the Ozark Research Institute have just cancelled their series of workshops that they had scheduled for uh, 27th to the 30th of August. I mentioned these in the last episode. Uh, This is because the Arkansas state governor has declared a public health state of emergency because of the spread of the Delta variant. Uh, The Flagstaff Conference is still scheduled for 7th to 11th of October, as you've heard Susan talking about. And uh, I will be running the online version of my own workshop, At Least 10 Ways to Space Clear Your Home, on Sunday the 17th of October. And you can find out more about that and book your place on my own website at westerngeomancy.org. But now, let's get back to our talk with Susan, and we were having a very interesting discussion about portals. Um, I had a customer back um, in Mass- here in Massachusetts. This was back in the early 2000s as talking about portals. And her daughter was deeply affected by some sort of negative, um, I don't know what to call it, if you'd call it an entity or a ghost or, some, or a spirit or something. And she says, I don't know what to do. She's um, upset. She can't, you know, she can't function. This was going on for a number of months. And she, she called me uh, over and I, um, and I was kind of thinking about it on the way, you know, after she told me about it and then driving down there. And, uh, and I found, I figured out that there was a portal and the portal was, she had one in out in the garden. And then she also had one that was um, in their basement, uh, the under, you know, the, under the first floor. Do you have basements over there in the UK? Uh, no? Yeah, we usually call them cellars. Cellars, okay, we call them, I call mine a cellar too, so that people, don't never, that people don't always know what that means. So in her cellar, she had, uh, I doused, I had uh, mapped, I sat in her in dining room and I, and I was map dowsing the house to show her um, where this portal was and it was down, it was down there and it was in the back of the house. And so, um, so we went down into the cellar and I, and I doused, you know, used my dowsing rods and my, um, my L rods and I used my pendulum and then let her see because her daughter was not home at the town at the time. She had been staying with her friends, uh, because of this. Uh, it was up. So it was so upsetting to her. And so we, um, so with intention, I asked that this portal close and to never open up again. And so, immediate, so immediately, uh, the woman felt better, and then it never, it never opened up again, as far as I know. Because and about a year or so later, they moved out to California. 
But it's very interesting as to, you know, apparently there was some sort of uh, entities that were coming in and out of this portal. And, and then just kind of dowsing the history, you know, just you sit there and you ask, has it, how, you know, how long has it been here? Um, when does it open? When, you know, does it have a certain time that it opens and closes like a store or something? Um, sometimes they um, will, will open up at night. Sometimes they'll open up during fa- different phases of the moon. Uh, these are just, these have just been my experiences with, with portals that have been, um, especially ones that have been de- detrimental to people. Sure. Uh, yeah, and talking about all this energetic stuff, um, maybe we should talk a bit about protection, because I know a lot of people do tend to just blunder into this, uh, Neil. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. yes. So what's, uh, what sort of protocols do you have when you're starting a, a dowsing session like this? Um, what I always do is, before I start to douse anything, is I always say I center myself, body, mind, and soul. And then I do, um, I study the them with the Monroe Institute with their, um, you know, uh, out of body experience and, um, oh my gosh, what's it called when you're, you know, doing your out of body astral projection, astral projection. I, yes. Thank you. I've studied astral projection for, for over 30 years also. And so when doing that process, um, they, they tell you to, you know, imagine yourself standing with your feet to, you know, your feet, just about together and then you're visualizing um from the ground straight up through your body and then up through the top of your head and then coming down around um kind of like a ball around you and then and then back down to your feet and then and then a spiral coming back up up your up your center and then around and then and then with that spiral coming up at your center and then around and then around the outside of you as well so that's um, there's a it's a, it's rather it's a rather elaborate protection um, that I will use when um, when I'm going to uh, actually when I when always when I douse because you never know I you know here in uh, New England New England consists of the states of Maine New Hampshire Vermont Massachusetts Rhode Island and Connecticut and there are areas that are very in that that. Indian, you know, American Indians have lived on and performed rituals on or have buried their loved ones. So there's a lot to be paying attention to when you're going to be dowsing an area uh, that I'm always very aware of because you don't know what you'll be stumbling into if you're coming, you know, if you're going to be stumbling into, say, a, an Indian burial ground, which could be really bad news if you're trying to drill, a, you know, douse for a well site. Sure. The, the well site that I, I, I doused the second well site after this 1500 foot deep one. Um, and they, there is a, this, this area was, uh, heavily, um, populated by Indians. Um, there's a, an area that's right nearby called Princeton, Massachusetts. And there's a rock called redemption rock. It's, oh my God, it's a, it's as big as a house, this rock and there was back during the um the, the king philip king philip war there were uh in there in the indians came down to massachusetts and kidnapped people women especially women and children and would bring them back to canada as hostages but then did re, but then re, did we re, uh re, return these people um over time in negotiations so 
so there's a lot in this the Princeton era, Princeton, Massachusetts area. Is this one? I remember you took me to some big rock in the woods somewhere. That one. Um, I'm trying to think when we were we near. I'm trying to think if we were in Carlisle. That was, I believe, I took you to the Conant, C-O-N-A-N-T, the Conant um, properties, which is public. It's behind the Carlisle, Massachusetts. Um, uh, uh, town hall and there are it almost it almost looked like a, a castle if that's the one that was the, I believe that's where I took you yes and that and that whole area is very mystical um, you know we've gone there's a, a path it's got a big circular path but we've gone in there as a, as a dowsing chapter did I have you sit on a stone yeah, you did. Is that turtle okay. or something? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, the with turtle. There's turtle mounds in this area, and then when you sit on the back side of the stone, the it was. Um, I'm trying to think if that was the male stone or the female stone, and how the energy would either like like come pull you down, and then another one would like lift you up. Just it just in in and it's you know if it was uh, and if it was clockwise or counterclockwise. That's right. I haven't and I haven't visited to that area in a while now that you're saying that and an interesting so but an interesting story about that area um there were some stone walls and there was um when you first enter the property there was a stone that looked like like a, like if you had it was it looked like a giant potato and it looked like someone took a knife and just cut straight through the stone and then separated it probably um, half a meter. So there was a space between the stone. Now I was, um, I took my dowsing chapter there. Um, I, I was going to be bringing them there on a Saturday. So I went like on a Thursday and, you know, just to check everything out. And I would put little marker flags just to, you know, you know, mark areas for people to check out because, you know, people get talking and they distract you. And, um, this way I'd say, okay, this, this flag is, you know, signifies this and, you know, feel the energy there. Well, where this stone, this giant potato looking stone was, was laying when we arrived on Saturday, a tree fell right exactly between those two stones. Wow. Oh, that one stone that was cut in half. And it was like, I said, this wasn't here the other day. Oh my God! That it fell, it fell exactly, you know, and there was like like an inch on each side of of you know that for spacing. So it had it was some some anom- I don't know some energetic anomaly or just some bizarro con you know coincidence that happened here. Some uh, <laughs> message from the spiritual place, yeah. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh so, yeah, so right, so right. Um, well, in the, um, you know, in, in this, in, in the area where I took you there, I ended up going on, there's uh, an organization that looks at stones, you know, other stone structures and there'll be serpent, you know, there'll be these something, it'll be like a serpent mound and you'll look at the, the stone wall and it will have a definite tail and it will have a definite head to it and they will be not straight. They'll be kind of curvy. And, um, uh, up at America's Stonehenge, did you end up going up to America's Stonehenge? I and, have, uh, yeah, I have visited that. Yeah. Yes. Dennis Stone, it's funny, Dennis Stone 
owns the property. His father bought the property back in the 50s. And um, actually, he's been a speaker at our UFO conference that we have locally here in Massachusetts. And, I, and actually, I did invite him to come out to Flagstaff, but um, uh, that didn't quite work out, unfortunately. But, but, uh, but that property is full of serpents. The stone, these stone structures that are kind of curvy and they look like a, like a, like a snake would be just sitting there hmm. and looking at you. And, um, so, so there's lots of, uh, of these energetics that are, that are there. And I've gone up there and helped, uh, you know, I've taught him to douse and then, you know, he's, he douses the property from time to time. And if you stand, one of the, the cool things about America's Stonehenge is that now that they've, cl- they've been clearing the trees, um, you can go up there for the various, you know, summer solstice, winter solstice, and then stand um, and then see the stone, see the sun rise over the stones or set over the stones. Um, it's not like regular, it's not like Stonehenge in the UK, um, but it has these stone structures that are kind of pointed at the top where the, where the sun will set exactly behind it. And, or, yeah, and you can see it down the avenue of trees that's yeah, been cleared. Exactly, yeah, exactly so. Yeah, uh, uh, I have to say I preferred it when it was just called Mystery Hill, but um, <laughs> I, is, I know yeah, it is nothing right. like Stonehenge. Well, you know, the thing is, I'll I'll sometimes I'll sometimes your reference say, oh well, you know, I've been to the American Stonehenge and, I, and I've been to real Stonehenge too, and that kind of makes kind of makes them mad. So I don't I try not to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but there, um, there's so many interesting structures in New England. You know, all the yeah. uh, underground chambers and everything. We oh, could do yeah. a whole other uh, hour on that easily. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we have we have them right near our house here in Westford, Massachusetts. We we have the Westford Night here too. Mm. If, you, if you've heard of that, I've heard um, of that. But um, tell the listeners about it. Um. Well, back. Back during like the 1400s or so, when when the um, the Vikings were coming over here, there was um, there were you know people that came, you know they landed and then they were trying to populate the various areas. And this um, particular person, um, his last name was Gunn G U N N, and he still has descendants that are here in Massachusetts. So there's a um, and I can send you the link to this. There is. Um, there's this, now there's a statue of 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 the you know he's he's laying down with his um with his uh armor and his um sword he has a sword and he has his his um the shield that they would use in battle but what was there was this this big stone that had an outline of his of of this person and and actually up at America Stonehenge they have a copy of a, 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 a duplicate of a replica of this um, stone that we have, and and now it's been you know the History Channel has come and has done a, did a series on it, and or, or a show on it, and then they and we have it covered with plexiglass so you can still see the stone, but it's but it's protected from the weather. Is this not supposed to be uh, a Knights Templar night? Is it not some? Yes, it was. It was yes, it, and that's part of it. I have I um. I don't know all the exact uh, all the details of it, but David Brody, who's written some some books about it, he he's very very familiar with it. He might be an interesting person for you to talk to. Yeah, he lives he here. Lives. He lives he lives here in Massachusetts. He's written a bunch of books about it. Um, so it's uh, 
it's it's quite fascinating. And it's and it, interestingly, back when I first started to douse, our dowsing chapter made a field trip to go visit the Westford Night. And then we doused how old it was. And then it was from, you know, the fourteen hundreds and so so people coming across you know, people coming to you know, the, and the fact that this is kind of it's it's an anomaly. It's kind of it's 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 its own. It's like you you don't see anything else like this anywhere. This um the grave site of this of this warrior, so of a, of a Viking warrior, as it were. Yeah. Well, next time I'm at the East Coast Conference, uh, you'll have to take me to that one. Sure, absolutely. I would be happy to do that. And we can do something safer than skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that again. That's yeah, would you? Okay, okay, we can do it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the most fun you can have indoors with your clothes on. So, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just thought, you know, it, it was just, you know, all that wind in your face. And I was thankful that I did that instead of jumping out of a real plane like some people do. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I, I still don't fancy doing that. So. Uh, well, look, Susan, that's been uh, a great talk. Um, I mean, I'm tempted to go on for another hour, but I think we should draw it to a close at this point. <laughs> that's okay. And if I may, if I may give the uh, website uh, flagstaffdowsers.com for the West Co- for the uh, Flagstaff Dowser Conference, and we hope that um, many of you can join us. Well, we will we will be having a, a live a live stream uh, class that's coming from the conference as well, in addition to Graham's uh, workshop. So stay tuned. Um, Let me just say thank you so much, Susan, for uh, spending your time with us. It's been a really enjoyable chat. Well, thank you so much for for having me, Uh, Graham. This has been a lot of fun. It's it's always terrific to, uh, to connect with you and to share our dowsing stories uh, because we have so many <laughs> from over the years, but I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to, uh, to, to share uh, my information, uh, share my experiences with, with you and your, and your listeners. And uh, uh, just wanted to uh, just thank everyone for, for their help over the years, the sky dowsers who have inspired me and helped me when they were back when they were here. And then actually now they're sky dowsers. And we hope those of you who are listening could, can have the opportunity to uh, attend the Flagstaff Dowser Conference, www.flagstaffdowsers.com. Graham will be giving a workshop, even it will be a remote workshop through Zoom. Uh, When you go onto our website, uh, click on speakers and then uh, scroll down to Graham's picture, click on that, and then his information will be there. And then there'll be another link for you to to attend his his, his workshop on on Sunday, October 17th, which is after the physical conference. And we will have um, a live stream that people will be able to uh, connect into for a fee uh, to watch uh, one of the classrooms of our conference as well. So Great thank stuff. You. Yeah. Uh, now, is there a way that uh, people can get in touch with you? Do you have your own website? Well, I, if, they, if they go to um, flagstaffdowsers.com, um, there's... Um, I have my phone number listed, and we can people can email uh, dowsersouthwest at gmail.com. Great. Okay, Susan, thanks once All again. Right. All right, Grant. Graham, lots of love to you and Elspeth. You take care. You too. Bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Okay, well, I hope you feel you have enough information about the forthcoming Flagstaff Dowsing Conference now. Um, I was going to say I'll put a link up on the main website, but it hardly seems worth it. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, if you have any comments about the show that you would like to share, you can email us on podcastandadventuresanddowsing.com or you can leave a comment directly for uh, our particular show on the website. So uh, thanks for listening, as always. Many thanks to Winter Gatton and Ian Pegler for the music. And thanks to Susan for spending so much time with us. And I hope you can join me next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.